Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone, and welcome back to this podcast, and I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. Today, we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, in a continuation of everything that Paul is saying to primarily Gentile believers. As you go through this letter, you see that they're primarily Gentile believers that he's writing back to. They were idol worshipers, and they turned to the living God. When you look back in Acts chapter 17, you see that there were Jews that believed, there were God-fearing Greeks that came to faith, and there were prominent women. And if we look at this first letter that he's writing back from Corinth back to the city of Thessalonica to the believers, you really get the understanding that the majority of these believers are from a Gentile background, and they are rejoicing in their faith. Just like the Jews in Judea have been persecuted by other Jews that did not accept Jesus as the Messiah, these Gentile believers are also being persecuted by other Gentiles that is coming against their faith, but they are not wavering from the faith. They are standing strong, going forward with the things of God. Now we're coming in chapter 3. And we're going to see about Timothy's visit and a continuation of them rejoicing because of their faith. And remember, they want to go back and visit them, but they've been hindered so far. In fact, in verse 18 of chapter 2, he says, Satan has hindered us. So there has been a demonic influence probably coming through this persecution that is hindering them from going back and standing face to face with these believers But their heart is with them, their spirit is with them, and they're encouraged by their faith. Let's start in chapter 3. Let's start with the first five verses. And Yoni, could you read for us today? Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know, for this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. When you look at these words by Paul, remember After his conversion experience, after God had mentioned specifically about his ministry to the Gentiles and to the sons of Israel, we look at this understanding that God is going to use him among the Gentiles. He also says to Paul, and I will show you how much you will suffer for my namesake. Hmm. If you go back to Acts chapter 9, see his whole conversion And part of Pauline theology, as you look at every letter, is the suffering for the sake of the gospel. Now, remember, Jesus promised this to his disciples. Read John chapter 15, and you see that this should be a natural thing that takes place for a person that follows Christ. 
we should expect it as we are connected to him. If they persecuted him, if they killed our Messiah, if the world hates him, the more that we follow him, the more that we abide in him, the more the world will hate us as well. So they taught this to the believers at Thessalonica. And if you look in the book of Acts, they went from Thessalonica to Berea, then to Athens. He mentions Athens here in verse 1. But he really, from the forefront, taught them about the suffering that would come upon their lives, and now they're seeing it come to pass. And the understanding of this is that it would also come to them as Mm -hmm. well. But they have prayed for them, and they had a fear, and I believe there is a godly fear, that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain, that they could have fallen under temptation through this persecution and walked away from their faith and what God had done within their hearts. Mm -hmm. I want to say something from the forefront that goes against some people's systematic theology. Old covenant, new covenant, it is a daily walk with God in which we follow God. And here in the new covenant, we follow God through this new covenant, through the Messiah, the forgiveness of sins. And there is always that temptation to walk away from the faith, just like it was in the old covenant is there in the new covenant. And we see that this is a personal relationship with God, that it's a daily walk, a daily dying to self, a daily understanding that my faith is the most important thing in my life. And if there wasn't any fear that a person could not walk away from the Lord, why would Paul be saying this? Mm. Let me read it again, verse 5. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Mm. He had a godly fear, concern about their faith. Had they gone back on their faith through this persecution? So it's not something where some people say once saved, always saved. They come into God's grace, and they can never be tempted to leave the grace of God. It is a covenant relationship with God that daily we walk with Him. Daily we follow the Messiah. Paul understood this. This is what is very clear throughout scriptures. Mm -hmm. And I just want to point that out because it is part of the context here. It's not something I'm making up. I'm not coming from a systematic theology back to it. I'm trying to understand my conclusions by what Paul is saying here. And throughout all of his writings, you see this to be consistent through the letters of Paul. I think it's beautiful that the encouragement that he's seeking, knowing that they they might be suffering this persecution, and he's worried that the tempter may have tempted them, and, and perhaps his labor of faith would have been in vain. What encourages him, what he's seeking is that they've stayed in the faith. Yes. Not that they haven't had persecution. Yes, and that's what he's praying about. That's the daily concern of the churches that he talks about later on through all of his sufferings. That's one of the biggest burden that he carried in his life is that these communities of faith would stand strong in the gospel. And we looked at what happened in Galatia, the region of Galatia. Now we're going to Thessalonica on the second missionary journey, and we're seeing that he still has a concern back to the people he ministered to. Mm -hmm. This is not hit-and-run evangelism. That Mm -hmm. sometimes that we think, okay, I share the gospel and I'm out of there. 
You share the gospel with someone. You bring the gospel to a region. You lay the foundation of the gospel. There should be that daily concern for those individuals that they have sound teaching, that they're continuing in the faith, and then when persecution comes, they're going strong. And so this is a real fear. This is not a a fake fear. When he says, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. How would his labor be in vain if they were walking away from the faith? Mm -hmm. And so this is real life. This is not systematic theology. This is real life, real believers that could walk away from the faith, and Paul understands this, but they are standing strong in the faith. Mm -hmm. This is what we see through this whole letter. Now let's read verses 6 through 10. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy in which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we, night and day, keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Look at this again. And some of the same thoughts is coming from Timothy that did go back, did return to Paul and Silas, did give a favorable report on what was taking place. And the thanksgiving that comes through, they're standing strong. Their faith is strong. They're not wavering. And look at verse 8, because this is quite incredible. Because now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. It's not that they're going to go away from their faith if they're not living for the Lord. But everything that they're doing has so much authority and power and influence on their own lives because we really live because... You continue in the faith because you have not wavered. If you stand firm in the Lord, if you continue, then we really live. And I don't know how to express it outside of they're sold out to this ministry. Mm -hmm. They're sold out to God's calling upon their lives, and they see the fruit in those in Thessalonica. But they have to keep standing firm in the Lord. And if they stand firm in the Lord, we really live is what Paul is saying. This brings so much life to us. And also, look at verse 10. As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face. It's not just praying for their faith, but they want to see them. They want to stand face to face. It's a family that has come together. Sometimes we don't really see the community of faith as our family, but this is their family. I think about longing to see my own physical family, my own grandsons, and how I long for that, to see them and to play with them and spend time with them. It's just such an incredible feeling when I get that opportunity. This is how Paul and Silas and Timothy feel about seeing those believers in Thessalonica, that they would see them face to face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. And what I believe he is saying there, that we can keep on discipling you and your weaknesses and the places in which you lack. We want to continue to disciple. 
And again, Jesus sent out his disciples not to go and to bring about conversion, but in order to make disciples. And it's an ongoing process where we come to faith and we stand complete in Christ, and God has changed us from the inside out. But now we're babies in the Lord, and we have to grow. And what he is saying, I want to come in your weaknesses, and we want to keep teaching and discipling that where you are weak, you can stand complete. We are complete, but let's grow in that completion. Hmm. We are saved, let's grow in our salvation. The kingdom of God is now, and the kingdom of God is coming. So what I'm saying here, there is this instant understanding of what God has done and this progressive understanding of what God is doing within our lives. And the ultimate understanding of that will be at His coming. And so every single reference in this letter at the end of every chapter is a reference to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This passage stands in such contrast to the stuffy theological idea of this is religion. This seems so affectionate and warm and loving. I don't know, it's just very inspiring. As I'm reading it, I think, this is how I need to treat all my brothers in Christ. You know, I'm, I might not be an apostle traveling the world, but I still have people that I've poured into and relationships I've built and I think in many ways, like I read this and I'm like, wow, I'm not even that affectionate towards them. You know, it's just, I don't know. Yes. Um, my father used to explain it in this way. A lot of ministers love a crowd, but they don't really like people too much. Mm. And if you look at your calling and what God has called you to do, and you look at it through Paul's life, there was an affection for the people that he ministered to that he would be willing to go through any difficult situation because of his love for them, to see them grow in their faith. Again, it's not this hit-and-run ministry. It's not the big crowd on a certain service where thousands have come, you preach, and then you leave, Mm. and you do not want to see them throughout the week. In fact, ministry is growing in the Western culture that it's about a crowd. It's not about relationship. It's not about building a community of faith. And the the main pastor, shepherd, gets more and more isolated from the people that he's ministering to. Mm -hmm. When you see apostolic ministry, if you see ministry in general, it's all about what God is doing in that person's life and being a part of it. Mm. And that's more than just a message one day a week. It's more than just bringing about a sermon that you've developed and everyone says, oh, that was a great sermon this week. It's about a relationship with God, a relationship with the body of Christ, an ongoing community of faith. He longs to go back to them, mm. to stand face to face. Sometimes, ministers long to get away from people. Mm. And that's a natural thing, because if you've been ministering to people ongoing, and there's a time you just want to withdraw yourself. Jesus did that to get away from the crowds, because it's a heavy burden. But that cannot be our ongoing mentality that builds within us. Yes, we need a time of rest in order to build us back up so we can get back and minister to people daily on an ongoing basis. And you see this in the ministry of Paul. It reminds me of a conversation I had recently about the quantitative versus the qualitative. 
and how as a society we tend to really honor and value everything that's quantitative, everything that we can put into metrics, but we, we don't appreciate what's qualitative. Yes, very much. And it's about deep relationships, quality relationships. I go into churches here in America today. They say, fill out this card, but don't worry, we won't call you. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to get a part. We're not going to intrude into your life. And a community of faith is a family, and there's accountability, accountability in what we teach, how we live our lives, and that comes about how we interact on an ongoing basis. I'm ready for a pastor to say, fill out this card and I'll be calling you today. (laughs) You see, I want to be a part of your life. I want to give you the gospel. I want to disciple you in the things of God, and let's grow together in the things of God. That is missing within Western culture today. We have to be very careful not to give people what they want. We have to be responsible to God to give them what they need. And so this is what we have to contemplate as we're going through God's Word. The ministry, everything that we do, everything that Paul was doing, Timothy, Silas, and others, what they are doing is what we should be doing today. Mm -hmm. And so... Hopefully, this is coming through as Paul is expressing his great love for the believers at Thessalonica. Mm-hmm. Now, let's read the rest of the chapter, verses 11 through 13, and then we'll close out this podcast. Now, may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. With all his saints, with all his holy ones. And so we look at this and understand as he's continuing the same thought, verse 12 is what I really want to emphasize. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. Remember the historical context that they're going through persecution. So this love for one another, persecution should bring us in closer relationship Mm -hmm. with each other as we're going through persecution. And that may be the problem in Western culture. Our faith doesn't cost us anything. And so we don't need each other. We go to a service, it's over with, now we're going to our sporting events and we're watching the games or whatever we're doing. And so it doesn't cost us something. If we're going through persecution, I need you. You need me. We need to be praying together. We need to be abounding in love for one another. And here he is saying, and may the Lord cause you to increase. Let it grow and grow and continue to grow and abound in love for one another and for all people, not just for the body of the Messiah, but also for those who are persecuting you. Because as we're loving each other and understanding how to live together in community as a family, and this is increasing, it's going to be so much easier as we encourage each other and love each other, and that increases within the body of the Messiah, to love all people. And this will be a natural thing that grows out by the work of God's Spirit. And he says, just as we also do for you. So the love of God in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I love how 
Paul is going to say this in Romans. Now we're jumping ahead, but he says, and the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And that comes about in the same chapter where he says, and God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, the Messiah died for us. So this love has been poured out, the love that comes from God through the Messiah in our hearts. So increase and abound in this love for one another, but for all people. And all people means all. It doesn't mean that we can be selective in who we want to love and who we do not want to love, but love for all people, even those who are persecuting us. And remember what Yeshua said, bless those who curse you. And so it's going an extra step, a supernatural love that has come into our life. And I like there's this connection here between verse 12 and 13 that I think is really interesting. It says, May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God. It seems to communicate to me, and I'd love your, your thoughts on this, that as we abound in love for one another and all people, that is how he establishes our hearts without blame and holiness. Yes, I believe you're correct here in making a connection of holiness and what is happening in their hearts as the love of God abounds. When we look at true holiness, sometimes people start thinking about an outward appearance. Many times, holiness in that context. But here, the holiness here. He's encouraging them to love, to grow in that love for the brethren and for all people just as they have for them so that he, God, may establish your hearts without blame. Mm -hmm. It's a work within the heart without Mm -hmm. blame in holiness. So holiness here is a connection to what God is doing in the heart as we grow in the love of God before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all of his holy ones. So there is a goal, there is an end of this keep walking, keep establishing the work of God within your hearts that we will be without blame in holiness before God our Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus. And again, he is talking about his coming at the end of this chapter is flowing throughout the whole letter here with all of his holy ones. So I want to end this podcast with a prayer, and I want to pray that what God has done in the believers at Thessalonica, how they stood strong, how they were continuing in the faith, how Paul was encouraging them to grow in their love for one another and for all people, that that same reality will be in our hearts, that God will establish this within our hearts. And this is holiness. This is the work of God within our hearts that brings about a holy life that is pleasing unto God. And this is to continue until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is coming with all of his holy ones. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Heavenly Father, we pray what Paul was speaking to the believers at Thessalonica will be a a reality within our own hearts, our own lives, and our communities of faith. And Lord, let us keep pushing forward with the things that you have for us. And let us be excited about what you're doing within our lives. 
And God, I pray that everything that you're doing, that we will say yes, we will say amen. Our love is growing. Our love for all people is growing within our hearts. And thank you, God, for your love for us. And we give you praise. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.